Cassettes, and welcome to the final regular episode of Frightening February and the season six finale of the Black Case Diaries. Hey! Thank goodness. <laughs> Wait, what? I mean, what? Oh, no. Adam's like, thank God. I I'm hope the so show doesn't come sad. back. <laughs> oh, I'm talking no. about Frightening February. Uh, okay. February. Fe- uh, fe- all fe- right. February. Fe- February, Adam. February. It is cold. We're three evil deadites learning everything we can about movies and TV and hopefully teaching you in the process. I'm Marcy. I'm Adam. I'm Robin. Whoa, I was in the middle that time. I I felt weird. She pointed. Yeah. I was going to go in the middle. Usually I do Robin, but I thought maybe this time that's Adam's turn. For the special end of our show. Yeah. I mean, of this season. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. Guys, we're planning to come back. We plan on coming back. (laughs) When we considered what our last episode of Frightening February might be, we almost chose to do an episode on The Thing from Another World from 1951 and John Carpenter's The Thing from 1982. But... Our goal is not to completely turn <laughs> Adam off of horror forever by scarring him with that one scene with the Huskies. If you know, you know. And we don't need to talk about it. <laughs> so we chose a slightly different and more comedic route instead. Many generations know Sam Raimi for something he directed. If you were a kid in the early 2000s, you might remember his name in the credits of the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man films. Moviegoers this spring will recognize him as the man behind the new Doctor Strange film. But if you're a fan of horror, another film franchise might come to mind when you hear his name. The Evil Dead films are unique and imaginative. The stories are wildly original. Its main hero is impossibly charming. And best of all, the Evil Dead franchise is a perfect blend of horror and comedy. So today, we're going deep into the woods with Ash to learn the secrets of the groundbreaking horror comedy, Evil Dead 2. Yeah! Not Evil Dead 1. No. (laughs) Evil Dead 2. The idea, part of the idea of Frightening February is to expose Adam to something. Yeah. That he doesn't, he won't won't explore on his own. Mm -hmm. Yay. And, And... to broaden everyone's horizons yeah. because you know Marcy and I we haven't always liked horror stuff. No, mm-hmm. I used to hate it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So th- this is something that it's actually a little uncomfortable for all of us. Yeah. If you listen and you feel like we're torturing Adam, don't worry. <laughs> we're also torturing ourselves. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's equal opportunity it's that, torture. <laughs> it's like no, we're not actually torturing him. It's just that we're torturing us as well. Yeah. So, so that makes go. it okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So he gets it. we try to select Duh. titles that are not going to scar him forever. Yeah. So. I will say, I will say that the thing from 1951 was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. It is. And <laughs> and that's where that will end for Adam, I think. I think so too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if you're like me and haven't seen this movie until now for this very episode, here's a summary for you. When Ash Williams heads into the woods with his girlfriend for an intimate getaway, things go awry when he discovers a tape recorder with some unusual incantations. The words on the recorder awake the evil dead spirits, possessing Ash's girlfriend and tormenting him mentally and physically. With the arrival of four strangers, one of which who has knowledge of the Necronomicon, the Book of the Dead, Ash attempts to fight off the deadites and survive the night. Yeah. It's a pretty, you know, it's one of those movies that I, I love these types of movies where it's a limited cast, it's a limited location, we're not going to a bunch of different places, and, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, we're focusing, really focusing on, on characters, just laser focus. And I really like stories like this. It's kind of like Alien, you know? Yes. Yeah. And you know, obviously, Alien doesn't have the same kind of over-the-top <laughs> uh, yeah. moments that this movie has. 
But it is that type of deal where, you know, Mm -hmm. you really get to know mostly Ash. The other characters, you don't get to know them long enough because, you know, when something happens to them, you don't feel that bad because you don't know them that well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Unlike the first one. Oh, boy. So here's how The Evil Dead 2 came about. You may be wondering, why would we do an episode on The Evil Dead 2 before The Evil Dead? The answer is quite simple. While Evil Dead is obviously a very important part of the franchise, the story gets retconned in the second film. And one of us, we won't name names, isn't much of a horror fan. (laughs) (laughs) Could be any of us. Could be any. So we decided that covering the more comical Evil Dead 2 was a better way to introduce Adam, I mean someone, to the franchise. (laughs) But of course, it's completely impossible to talk about Evil Dead 2 without at least mentioning the first movie from 1982. I saw a few different years for this movie. The original and its release date, okay. 1981, is what IMDb mm-hmm. says. A lot of people mm-hmm. say 1982. And some even say 1983. So. Well, they need to like work together and figure <laughs> it's, it out. It wasn't that long ago. <laughs> it shouldn't be lost to time. Yeah. <laughs> I... I believe I remember hearing uh, somebody talked about it and how they they premiered it in 81, but yeah. then they couldn't get it released until like 83. That makes sense. I so, think I think that, yeah, there was a limited release at one point. Mm-hmm. And then in 83, that's when it actually did wide releases. And I yeah. think that's probably uh-huh. because all of the box office information I found was from 83. 83. That I guess sense. depending on who you ask. It's like when it really premiered versus when mm-hmm. it kind of came out. Yeah. yeah. Written and directed by Sam Raimi, Evil Dead follows five college kids as they take a vacation together in a creepy cabin in the woods. Much like the Evil Dead 2, the voice on a tape recorder recites an incantation from the Necronomicon, raising an undead evil that possesses everyone in the cabin except for a lone survivor, Ash Williams. It was Sam Raimi's friend Scott Spiegel that actually got him interested in horror films. He was not a horror fan himself. Ah. Ha uh-huh. <laughs> See how far you could go, Adam? Yeah. <clears throat> no. You could someday make one. You could make a movie like this. If that ever happens, I'll come back to this episode and just be like, wow. <laughs> Blown away. Inspired by a college history course and H.P. Lovecraft, Raimi decided to write his own horror film around the lore of the Necronomicon, the Book of the Dead. Now, there is a lot on the Necronomicon that we wish we could get into, uh, so we're just going to highly suggest researching the topic if you're interested to learn more about H.P. Lovecraft and how this kind of bled into the real world, mm-hmm. the Necronomicon. So there is a lot of stuff. <laughs> it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of weird Lovecrafty stuff that is like weirdly seeping into real world stuff it's like we don't really know some things like davy jones Mm -hmm. in pirates of the caribbean his his whole thing is very lovecrafty if you look at what it's all based on Mm -hmm. so it's like very influential yeah oh yeah hp lovecraft is even if you're not a fan of science fiction or horror something that you love was influenced by hp lovecraft absolutely yeah Passionate about the project, Raimi had to secure much of his own funding, even asking family and friends and anyone else to donate to the film's production. The lead actor, Bruce Campbell, also served as an executive producer and helped Raimi gain funds. Raimi and his friends and crew even shot a short film called Within the Woods to show potential investors. And we're going to link to that in the blog so that you can watch it if you'd like to. Oh, nice. It's a half-hour short film. It kind of gives you an idea of the first movie. When The Evil Dead released, it received the dreaded NC-17 rating, and according to Box Office Mojo, it made it to 128 theaters. The film made a respectable amount of money and has a 95% on Rotten Tomatoes, likely from the many recent retrospective reviews that it has received. However, we were not able to find reviews from the initial release. I could Mm. not. I looked everywhere. Mm. For even the New York Times archive, yeah, yeah. I looked as far, as far back as I could yeah. for reviews on just the original Evil Dead, and I, I couldn't find it. I'm sure they exist somewhere. Mm-hmm. I Got wanted to, to know if people really liked it when it first came out, yeah, or if now they're watching it and saying, wow, it's really good, yeah. and that's why the rating yeah. is so high. You know? Mm-hmm. That's what I was trying to figure out. Audiences were horrified by the film and its use of practical effects and gore. 
Many people to this day consider The Evil Dead to be one of the greatest horror films ever made, and truly haunting. But for some, the original film felt too over the top, with cheesy dialogue and unbelievable experiences. Many interpreted this as a blend of comedy and horror, while that was not the filmmaker's intention at all. The first one was definitely horror. I would not. Yeah. Yeah. But this begs the question, why did Raimi decide to retcon his original story? And is Evil Dead 2 a sequel or a remake? Mm. Apparently, New Line Cinema owned the rights to the original Evil Dead, meaning that Raimi and company didn't have the legal ability to create a clear-cut sequel to their movie with a different company. So, the decision was made to reshoot the beginning story of Ash coming to the cabin and experiencing the horrors of the Deadites with new characters. The first portion of Evil Dead 2, when Ash drives to the cabin with his girlfriend, and up until he becomes possessed himself, is the remake. Everything that happens after that is the sequel. So the movie is both a remake and a sequel, making it incredibly unique. Okay. Yeah. So it's a little it's a little hard to right when people went to see this, they were very confused. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They thought that Ash was actually dumb enough to go back to the same cabin. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Oh yeah, that was a great time. I'm gonna bring my new girlfriend there. Like that they thought that that's what he was doing. Mm. But they were just (laughs) they were just basically coming up with a new story Mm -hmm. because at the end of the first one. He gets possessed. Is that this is yes, correct, I right? I believe so, yes. At the end of the first one, he gets possessed, and the movie ends. Mm-hmm. And then the second one, when we see the spirit go through the house and hit him, mm-hmm. and then he flies through trees and he's spinning upside right, down and right. doing yeah. all that stuff, that is picking up where the last movie ended. Uh, so if you just watched uh, the first Evil Dead and then skipped the first 20 minutes or so of the second one uh, and watched starting from that moment, then it would seem like a seamless movie. Wow. Cool. Okay. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So the, that would make a lot more sense. Yes. For you that way. They just had to come up with a new origin story for him. Mm-hmm. And they had to take care of that origin story very quickly. Yeah. 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 So the movie wouldn't be three hours long. <laughs> uh, right. no. yeah. For The Evil Dead 2, Raimi leaned into the comedic possibilities of the story. He incorporated gags from classic Three Stooges shorts, changed up the color of blood to combat the ratings board. It did not matter. He still got an NC-17 rating. And had the characters deliver their cheesy dialogue as straight-faced as possible. And the result, of course, was a surreal and outrageous film that performed even better than the first one. It is certainly outrageous. (laughs) I'll say that. Yeah, it is. It's very weird. it's It's a wild ride. Definitely. But yeah, so comparing that to the first movie, the first movie, I can see why people kind of thought it comedic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and I think part of it comes from we laugh when we're nervous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, when you know, when weird things are happening. Sure. Yeah. And so, and there was just so much blood used in the first one. And I think people saw that as over the top. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 1980s body gore is, for some people looks a little funny. And so I could see, you know, why people yeah. thought that initially. But, you know, I, I would think that the first one is a straight up scary yeah. movie. Right. You know, I mean, maybe if you look for the humor, you could you could find it. But yeah. Yeah. Or, or if you're desensitized to certain things in yeah. horror movies, mm-hmm. like if you've seen enough of something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then this version of it is kind of funny. I, right. I don't know. When I first heard about the plot of the first movie. I was disinterested because it it sounded just like anxiety to me, you know, the creepy feeling of they're all in this in this cabin and they basically know that there's nothing they can do to stop Mm -hmm. from becoming possessed. Yeah. And that's it. They don't really have an escape. (laughs) And, you know, and so to me, that sounded too scary. I didn't Mm -hmm. I didn't want to deal with that. Right. It's the same thing that we've mentioned in the past where. Even with something like Jaws that we talked Mm -hmm. about last week, when people kind of go through that uh, prolonged suffering yeah, Mm -hmm. and then just die. Yeah, they go through the prolonged suffering and don't get saved. It like sucks a lot, Mm -hmm. right? And the first movie kind of sounds like 
maybe not as dramatic as like instantly like it is in Jaws or Jurassic World or something like that, right? Where it's a lot of suffering really quick and then die. Yeah. Yeah. It's prolonged and yeah, stretched out, but it's still kind of the same principle, right? Right. So you are just sitting in it for way too long. All right. So let's talk a little bit about the making of this movie. Must have been a lot of fun to make. Huh? I think it was. <laughs> it sure looked like a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> the Evil Dead 2 was written by Sam Raimi and Scott Spiegel and directed by Raimi. Bruce Campbell was once again a producer on the film and played the main character of Ash Williams. Some of Bruce's driving was done by a stuntman, but Raimi liked using Bruce as much as possible because, as he and Bruce both stated, Raimi liked to torture his longtime friend. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> in, in the audio commentary, they, the part where he has to drive backwards, mm-hmm. he's just driving backwards, and they're like, you're doing that driving, aren't you? And he said, yeah. You know, we had a stuntman, but we only used him like three times <laughs> the entire movie. <laughs> oh, man. For example, when Ash first gets taken by the evil... He is whipped around, spun, and smacked with branches. Campbell was rigged to a mechanism and actually went through this ordeal for the film. It oh, looks no. Doesn't it look not real? Yeah. You know yeah, what I does. mean? Yeah. I can't believe that that's real. <laughs> Throughout Evil Dead 2, Ash essentially goes through the ringer. In one scene, Campbell smashes plates against his head and even grabs his hair and flips forward after his own hand becomes possessed by the evil spirit. The plates and bowls were real ceramics that were unfired, meaning they would break easily. But still probably hella hurt, huh? Yeah, probably. <laughs> they said they would just go into ceramic stores and they'd get stuff that wasn't fired because it <sighs> would break easily, and they'd yeah. say, it looks like a plate, but it breaks really easily. Yeah. Wow. And then they had him pushing himself, dragging himself across the floor, covered in broken oh my plates yeah. and bowls. That's horrible. <laughs> oh my god! You could only do that to your best friend. Right. <laughs> yep, yep. So, you know, we'd get you to do that in the movie we made, Excuse right? Excuse me. <laughs> Once Evil Dead 2 begins, the movie wastes no time getting started. Linda, played by Denise Bixler, gets possessed and killed almost immediately. This was Bixler's biggest role as she only appeared in two other projects besides this film. Once Linda's body resurrects, we see a stop-motion animation of her corpse doing a dance. This dance was actually choreographed by Raimi's high school teacher. So cute. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. What did you think of this scene, Adam? Yeah. Um, <laughs> super weird and unexpected. <laughs> yeah. Because I was like, oh, stop-motion Dance. Hell yeah. <laughs> All right. I guess. <laughs> like, and you're right. The movie does just go. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I thought it might wait a little longer, but mm-mm. Mm-mm. so I was kind of surprised and a little taken aback by. All right. It got real <laughs> absurd real fast. So, yeah, it's, it's a little serious in the beginning. There's some, Barely, some little yeah, comedic little things, bit. like him just very dramatically playing the piano for it, some reason. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of stuff. And yeah, the dance is really... <laughs> My favorite part of this is when she leaps off into the distance. Just whee! Yeah, just... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, we just all imagine a, a corpse is just running around in the woods, yep. having mm-hmm. a good time. Most of the film focuses on Bruce Campbell as Ash alone before other characters appear. The studio reportedly had an issue with this, but it allowed for the character to become more acquainted with the evil he was facing before other characters were thrown into the mix. During the scene when Ash is being driven mad by the evil dead, we see an evil version of himself reach through the mirror and choke him out. To achieve this effect, the production crew had to build a reverse version of the set on the opposite side of the wall. Wow, they built a whole new Oh my god! Isn't that cool? And they just have this little hole for the mirror. Mm And I guess for a minute they had a kind of a community kid step in for him from the back uh, for the for the scene and mm-hmm. stuff, and so they had a double for that mm-hmm. for yeah. that scene. While Ash grapples with the evil in the woods, four new characters enter the screen. Sarah Barry plays Annie Noby, 
whose father discovered the Necronomicon and owns the cabin. This was also Barry's largest acting role, and she is a writer as well. Dan Hicks plays Jake. Hicks continued acting up until his death in 2020. He even played a train passenger in Raimi's Spider-Man 2. Cassie Wesley DePava played Bobby Joe, a character that was actually inspired by actress Holly Hunter, who Raimi was living with while writing the film. <laughs> oh, that's cute. With Holly Hunter. Yeah, she... I think basically what was going on was a bunch of people were kind of living together. Like, I think he was roommates with somebody she was dating Mm. or something like that. And so she was just around Around. a lot. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. So he he said the character was inspired by her. (laughs) DePava has continued her career as a regular in several soap operas. And finally, the character Ed was played by Richard Domiere who went on to become the host of QVC. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Dude. Ed, there you go. I, for work, my, my place of work is very involved with QVC. So I've seen many broadcasts of QVC, and I had no clue. Yeah. I, I don't know if he still does it. I know he did it for a long time. Oh, maybe it's not, maybe uh, it's not him yet. Maybe. Now, but... Well, that's weird. Now you got to go back and that's find a some weird old connection. QVCs. Yeah. yeah. After all five characters are in the cabin, they are soon confronted with the living corpse of Annie's mother, Henrietta, played by Sam Raimi's brother, Ted. Ted donned a full bodysuit and makeup, complete with dentures and contacts. Not a single inch of his skin was exposed, they said. That Completely covered. Horrible. <laughs> According to Raimi, his brother had no idea what he was getting into, and he was also tortured throughout the filming process. They used the word torture a lot. They, they really <laughs> did. Talking about they this. really did. Like, man, we just like to torture each other. Yeah. Oh, man. He did say that he was 20 when, when they did this. Oh, and he's my. like, when you're 20, you just don't care. He's like, they can throw golf balls at your face and it's okay. You're like, come, <laughs> give me more. <laughs> wow. A lot of the commentary whenever Ash would get beat up. Yeah. Bruce Campbell would say, no, no, don't worry about him. Just go ahead and keep on doing that. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, just k- kick him in the face. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, oh, man. <laughs> Annie's living parents were played by Lou Hancock and John Peaks. In 1986, filming began in Wadesboro, North Carolina, at an old high school called J.R. Faison Junior High School. The sets were built in the gymnasium. Shooting would take place sometimes at night, and the temperature could be extremely hot as well. Ugh. All the evening shots were completed first, and the exterior shots were also in North Carolina, on the same location that the film The Color Purple was filmed. Bet you wouldn't have guessed oh, that. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> this is an odd... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Many of the trees in the woods were real, but some of the bigger trees were sculpted and put in with no tops on them. While filming the tracking shots of the woods, the cameraman could not point it too high, or else the audience would see the fake trees. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, there, trickery. Yeah, there are lots of shots in this movie that's from the perspective of the dead. Mm-hmm. Right, the evil yeah. Dead. Yes. And there's one, like, in the beginning, mm-hmm. when it's, it's coming in fast, mm-hmm. and Adam was like, oh, it's a motorcycle. You know? yeah, and yeah. then we found out that it really was... He was riding a motorcycle. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it was perfectly bumpy, as if it were on a motorcycle. Like yeah. you could just tell, <laughs> because like in a new movie where they had like one of those cars with the big boom arm and stuff, yeah. holding it perfectly steady, right? Yeah. You could have it real flowy and stuff, but it's yeah. not. It's like, <laughs> yep. like a so guy like... is really riding a motorcycle <laughs> through the woods. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Shots of the skies and the shot of the twisted and broken bridge were matte paintings with Bruce composited in where necessary. Yeah. yeah you cool. could You could kind of see it mm-hmm. yeah. for those. But it was nice. Yeah, when he's standing on, no! no! <laughs> yeah. And it's just this twisted metal. Beautifully painted. Yes, beautifully done. <laughs> Mark Showstrom led the special effects team. He hired three significant artists, Greg Nicotero, Howard Berger, and Robert Kurtzman. 
Greg Nicotero worked and learned under Tom Savini in Day of the Dead. Huh. Oh, Tom. Tom Savini. Yep. Great special effects artist and dear, mm-hmm. dear friend of George Romero. Yes. I didn't think we'd be talking about him again. <laughs> <laughs> this is also where Greg met Howard Berger. In 1988, they would go on to create their own makeup effects business with Robert Kurtzman called KNB EFX Group Incorporated. They have worked on films such as Army of Darkness, which is the next film in the Evil Dead movies, The Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, The Witch, and The Wardrobe, Reservoir Dogs, The Kill Bill movies, and many more, including the new show, The Walking Dead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We say the new show. The Walking yeah. Dead's been around True. for 10 years. <laughs> the newer show. Newer. I know. It's new to us because we don't cover things that are current, that are yes. currently running. That's right. The team began preparing in South Pasadena at Mark Showstrom's studio for about three months. Everything they created had to be shipped to Wadesboro. Several different replicas of the actors' heads and various body parts needed to be made for different scenes. In order to create the casts and dummies of the character, Linda, an alginate casting was made of the actress. No, thank you. <laughs> That's that sounds never horrible. fun. I don't even like the cast where they do when they're getting oh, giving yeah. you braces. I don't yeah, even. Oh like... my gosh, we're yeah. yes. Yep. Uh, no thanks. Full body casting. Mm. After Linda's head drops into his lap and bites his hand, Ash goes to the shed where he secures Linda's head in a table clamp. He then looks around for a chainsaw, and instead of finding it, he sees a chalk outline on the wall where it was supposed to be. Suddenly, the rest of Linda's body bursts into the shed, holding a chainsaw up and coming straight for him. Even now, we have your darling Linda's soul. She's the bad in torment. You're going down. Chainsaw. This gag with the chalk outline <laughs> is one of the funniest things. It's very good, Brilliant. yeah. Just to show everybody. Yeah. Hey, just so you know what's missing. <laughs> yeah. This was supposed to be a chainsaw. <laughs> Where could it be? In order to achieve this, Robert Kurtzman laid on his back on a skateboard. He held up the Linda body dummy as he wheeled into the shed. Someone from above held a fishing wire-like contraption that held and moved the chainsaw up. Greg Nicotero said it looked like a Kermit Muppet bursting through the door, moving up and down. It's so ridiculous. ridiculous. Yes. Yeah, yeah, the laughing and the movement of it is surreal and creepy. Mm-hmm. Yes. But it's also kind of funny. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's... <laughs> because I honestly, I feel like, you know... If a movie was made like this today and they would use CGI and different mm-hmm. techniques and it would be a lot smoother and I think this scene would probably have a lot be a little scarier mm-hmm. but I feel like there this is probably what it would look like if a corpse came to life and was wielding a chainsaw. I mean honestly, yeah. yeah. I mean, right? yeah. I mean she's not particularly strong. She doesn't nope. really have any ligaments left, you know, she's essentially right. a rotting corpse already, Yeah, you know, and this chainsaw yeah. is heavy and it's shaking because it's a chainsaw and, you know, so there is kind of a grit to it. You know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Sam really wanted to show the transition of Bruce's eyes to the white. So they made a special oversized head of Bruce. They had a liquid filled eye in the head. In order to simulate white clouding in the eye, they injected milk, which created a swirled effect that then becomes just white. Yeah. That's pretty wild. It's yeah. cool. It's it's fun. You can see the exact moment mm-hmm. it trans you know, from him, his actual face, to this big <laughs> yeah. head. Yeah. yeah. Even it's a close up, you just see the eye really mm-hmm. and you see it fill him with the white. It's a cool technique. It is. And, you know, I just think I mean, I'm sure it was a lot of time. I'm sure it was frustrating, a lot of effort building all these extra pieces. Right. Yeah. But I, I really like the aesthetic, though. Yeah. Yeah. The fact that you get to see it change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We were talking about how it's so quick, like you don't get to fight it at all. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. how else would you even know? Mm-hmm. But it was a great, like, something that they could show in a very short amount of time where yeah. we all understand what's happening. 
a lot of the effects for the film were achieved with a combination of stop-motion prosthetics and mechanics. Doug Bestwick performed much of the stop-motion animation for the movie. Animator Yancey Calzada was also credited with armature animation. Doug Bestwick animated the infamous Headless Linda dance scene, which we talked about a little bit earlier. Oh, yes. And according to a tweet from Mark Showstrom, we've just spoken about him a few times. Yeah. Bestwick redressed a piece from the film Aliens for a tree in the scene as well. Oh. Pretty. Yeah. There were lots of miniatures used in this movie, too. Yeah. So, which is another really neat thing yeah. that has kind of gone by the wayside in movies. You don't yeah. see yep. those as often now. But yeah, so you're, you know, kind of seamlessly cutting together these shots of an actual set in the trees at night to a completely handcrafted stop motion set mm-hmm. back to a regular set, back to a miniature, back to, you know, <laughs> yeah. this is happening yeah. a lot in the movie. Yeah. Yancey Calzada animated parts of the sequence where Ash's hand runs and hides from Ash. For some of the hand movement, Greg Nicotero stuck his hand up through the floor. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's pretty ridiculous, but actually very believable. Yeah. Because I thought for sure it would be more awkward, I suppose, because obviously it has to be somebody's hand doing yes. it, even though it's completely detached now. Mm-hmm. But they did a great job. They did a, a really good job with the hand. I think that this is one of the parts of the movie that really holds up, because mm-hmm. if yeah. you think about... It's the transition from Greg Nicotero's hand to the stop motion hand is pretty seamless. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's kind of hard to tell when I couldn't really tell. Yeah. it goes from one to the other. So I think they did a really good job with this. It w- I know it was Greg Nicotero's hand when it's in the bucket. Yes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> under Underneath a farewell to arms. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, a farewell to arms <laughs> with a dummy name on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I <laughs> this whole sequence is so wild. And the hand, it, they're playing lo- like Looney Tune esque music. Mm-hmm. The hand is running through, it runs through a mouse hole in the wall, <laughs> yeah, like Tom yeah. and Jerry, and then goes back behind the walls and he's sh- just shooting at it. I love that when he puts the the bucket over it in the book, right? He's like, <laughs> yeah, that'll hold it. And then he just walks away for a second, and it's already scooting away, <laughs> totally not holding it. I thought that was very funny because it's, it's like, well, <laughs> you did nothing, really. Yeah. After Ash's hand becomes possessed, he must cut it off. In this scene, the hand was actually made of gelatin. It had to be refrigerated because it was so warm in the filming location. Oh, oh man. And they said it was a really good choice for gelatin because mm. it, it had a, a little bit of a jiggle to it. Yeah. yeah. A little bit of a life to it, even though it was, you know, just an inanimate hand. Right. Yeah. One of the most horrifying parts of the film is Ted Raimi's portrayal of the dead Henrietta. I think when this scene happened, this is I was a little worried about Adam. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She appears, and she's not very easy on the eyes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think about it? I didn't think it was too bad, um, at least at first. Yeah. When it gets to the heavy <laughs> 80s prosthetic dummy gr- kind of gross-looking things, I'm like, all right. I- <laughs> I'm not having fun looking at that, but it's not like it's yeah. not going to haunt su- my dreams or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's supposed to make you feel. I mean, there's a there's a level. Right. You yeah. know, where you're supposed to got the big ridiculous teeth and all that yes. stuff. And it's 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 pretty wacky as far as horror goes, but it's still not like pleasant, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And yeah, this character kind of gets more grotesque mm-hmm. the more times mm-hmm. we see him in the movie mm-hmm. and the 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 fat suit. And, you know, rotting flesh yeah, and all that yeah. stuff. It's pretty gnarly by the time he actually comes up from the basement. Yeah. yeah. Someone's in my fridge cellar. Someone with a fresh soul. For these scenes, he was completely covered in urethane and rubber, which made it really hard for his body to breathe. Oof. Sweat would literally pour out of the suit when he would take it off of himself at the end of the day. Oh, God. It was so disgusting. <laughs> really, really gross. And they were talking about it was so gross that they didn't really want to talk about it on the commentary. <laughs> I think one of them was like, hey, remember when you were collecting all of his sweat in buckets? 
And they were like, let's move on. We're going to yep. move on. Let's. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, wow. I think because they probably, oh, God, it's so gross. Yeah. yeah. It's so gross because they probably had to, like, go dump it somewhere. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Clean it up. and ugh. No, no, thank you. Fiberglass molds were made of Ted. And then from there, they made a polyfoam outer skin using those molds. Underneath the polyfoam, they made a bean suit, which consisted of sacks of lentil beans. These sacks of beans gave a nice jiggle to the whole bodysuit. Wow. <laughs> and now that we say that, I can totally see it. I can yes. see <laughs> how, yeah. Bean jiggly. Yes. Wow. Yeah. And it has that kind of bubble texture yeah. that a lot of cell, like cellulite has. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, because I think that's what they're really going for. Mm-hmm. And, you know, kind of stretched out dead skin. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, just <laughs> you Ugh. can, yeah, you can see that. Mark Showstrom painted all the different bodysuits and pieces. Wow. What a hero. It's pretty cool. Wendy Bell was the head makeup artist that created the looks for most of the characters. The crew had to experiment with different types of blood because they needed blood to stay on Bruce Campbell's face. Mm. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, so often... You know, you look at it, and it, at different scenes in the movie, he just has different levels of blood on his face. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, he said that he had to constantly wipe his face off, too, because they were constantly throwing more blood on him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he said by the end of the movie, he would have just been purple or something because he would have yeah, been totally yeah. different. And, yeah, they had different kinds of gel blood and just, or like the corn syrup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he said that <laughs> flies would just come at him because he had so much sugar in his hair Ugh. from oh all the corn gosh. syrup. Yeah, and oh. with it being so warm. Yeah. Yep. Oh, God, that sounds miserable. <laughs> and it's so funny because that really, that attitude really comes through in the movie, you yeah. know? Yeah. yeah. I think that's why Jacob, my husband, loves this movie so much because this character is getting the absolute crap beat out of him the whole yep. time mm-hmm. and he has this attitude of just oh god i just want to get through this yeah and just please yeah and like, it's kind of oh. like you get the feeling that that's, yes. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. what the filming was kind of yep. like too like he was having a good time but <laughs> once each character became possessed their eyes became white the team achieved this with opaque white contact lenses that the actors could not see through Oh, no. (laughs) Sounds awful. (laughs) The actors had to practice their scenes and perform them blind. Campbell even said he wasn't sure when his eyes were open or closed while having the lenses in. That's crazy. I remember while we were watching this movie, I pointed out, like, wow, the eyes really, like, stick out. Every time time somebody's possessed, they show really clearly. Yeah. I guess that's no surprise. They... They went all out for that. Yeah, exactly. Which is also why they seem a little bit more stumbly yeah. when they have the white eyes in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they literally couldn't see. <laughs> I suppose it fits, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Composer Joseph Loduca provided the haunting score for the film. For some scenes, the music played up the comic effect with Looney Tunes-esque sound effects. And he is a prolific composer that has scored TV shows like The Librarians and Ash vs. the Evil Dead. Uh-huh. Hey, hey, he scored a lot. Wow. He had a long list on his IMDb. Oh, man. And this music is very good. Yes. So this film was nominated for a few things, including one of our favorite awards, a Saturn Award. Hey. For best horror. All right. <laughs> All right. But sadly, it did not win. No. I know. I know. <sighs> I wonder what did. Bit of a bummer. Yeah, we'll oh, have to yeah. look it up. Mm-hmm. Look it up. Roger Ebert gave the movie three stars in his 1987 review, saying, Evil Dead 2 is a comedy disguised as a blood-soaked shockerama. It looks superficially like a routine horror movie, a vomitorium designed to separate callow teenagers from their lunch. Oof. But look a little closer, and you'll realize that the movie is a fairly sophisticated satire. Level 1 viewers will say it's in bad taste. Level 2 folks, like myself, will perceive that it is about bad taste. I, I love it. <laughs> I am a level I am a level uh, above you. Yes. That is why I understand the movie. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, and I will point out right now that those of you listening to The Black Cast Diaries are indeed level 2 yes. Yes. movie Level 2 moviegoers, yes. like ourselves. Yes. yes. Like us. 
<laughs> as funny as that is, he's kind of right. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it's somebody who's just looking at it, it's like, this is kind of the cheesiest, weirdest, trying to be too scary kind of thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah. when you really pay attention or kind of go into it knowing that it's yeah. going to be gonna be goofy, you can see it yeah. for what it's doing. You can see that it is really kind of satire on itself. Right. Mm-hmm. It's it's in a way making fun of the first movie. Right. You know, the yep. first movie was a straight up horror movie and some people didn't take it seriously. And this one, it was like, you know what? Fine. Don't take me seriously. Mm-hmm. I'll show you what's not <laughs> serious. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like you, you can still do it. You can still be scary and funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can do it. It's and possible. this movie did it, you know? Yes. It, it really, it has those moments that are frightening. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, that's especially on a first time watch. Yeah. One of the best moments I think that illustrates this really well. It's like it builds up like real horror tension but then dissipates it very quickly with something funny. Yeah. Is when he's being chased, right? He's yeah. the, the, we are the perspective of the evil chasing him around the cabin through all of these <laughs> like geez, how big is this cabin? But it's actually yes. really small, right? <laughs> And yep. then it just threw and through all these rooms, and then he gets through this door, and the evil goes in, and he's nowhere, right? He's hiding. <laughs> and the evil just, like, looks around, like... <laughs> kind of personifying this evil spirit, just like, wait, where'd he go? <laughs> yeah, like, the spirit the doesn't have... Know where he is. <laughs> right, it doesn't have some kind of ability to just know, right? It can, nope. can't see through walls, it can't sense him, nothing. It's like, oh, shoot, I lost him. Well, and I... I have to go back. I and guess just, I'll just leave. It just basically rewinds yeah. itself the, back into the, the yeah. music for that is perfect. Too. Yeah. Hit the hit. I, I oh think as God. far as the scenes go, that's like, it illustrates it perfectly. And also you feel so secure with this character. I think this is a very secure feeling character because yeah. he's yeah. so confident and he doesn't panic. He's no. very just, he's not necessarily an intellectual mm-hmm. by any means. But he is a very just likable guy, and you feel yeah. safe watching him. And he's kind of outwitted the evil multiple times already, yeah. Yeah. right? By hiding from it when it's chasing him, <laughs> mm-hmm. being having the the courage and the idea to cut off his own hand rather than have it beat mm-hmm. him to death, yeah. right? Yeah, you know that kind of stuff, and then being able to explain it to the people who come later and all these things like he's kind of got a handle on it. Obviously it's a ridiculous situation that nobody would want to be in, but you're right. You can kind of find yeah. some comfort in that because he's kind of got a handle on it. Yeah. He, he's just such a regular dude. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the evil dead became popular and had such a following that sequels were made and an upcoming movie is expected. Yay! That's neat. interesting. Yeah. So Army of Darkness is the first sequel to Evil Dead 2. From 1993, it's considered the third movie in the original Evil Dead trilogy. Mm. Ash is transported, as per the ending of the previous movie, to England in 1300 AD. Although it keeps some horror, it also focuses on Ash's story with comedy and plot action. This is one that I think you would like even more than yeah. Evil Dead 2. So? I do. Mm-hmm. Because this one's a little more action-y, and there is a lot less time dedicated to horror in Okay, this. okay. Yeah. And I believe like the Army of Darkness has some, some special stop-mo in it, I think. Mm, that's. I think so, I too. think you might like. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Maybe so, I'll give it a shot. Yeah, so this movie, at the end of Evil Dead 2, he gets transported... To 1300 AD. What yes. did you think of that? It, yeah. It reminded me of a Monty Python sketch <laughs> because, <laughs> like, like the Holy Grail with the absurd ending where they all get arrested. Yeah. Spoilers for that movie, I guess. <laughs> but it felt very similar to where it completely shifts gears. It yeah. felt like it came out of nowhere. Yes. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Because. I thought it was going to end with him getting sucked in, and then maybe, yeah, the sequel starts with him coming out of the portal or whatever in some weird place, but it's like, nope. And then all these knights show up, and I'm like, okay. (laughs) Suddenly a a very different movie. Yeah, it's suddenly very different, and then this weird creature that he kills, and they're all like, oh, he's the hero, whatever. Yeah. And then you guys mentioned that he's the hero of old. That yes. they talked about, so it's some kind of time it, loop thing. Yeah, and, and the Necronomicon, ugh. they talk about a man who was foretold to destroy the evil. Right. And Ash says, well, he did a terrible job, obviously. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
man, oh man. In order to explore the character of Ash more, the TV show Ash vs. Evil Dead was created in 2015. It ended its third and final season in 2018. It was not renewed for a fourth season by Stars due to its low ratings in season three. When the show was canceled, Bruce Campbell announced that he would not be returning as the character Ash again. He feels that the franchise will be better for his departure from that character. He's just a regular guy like, <laughs> <laughs> trying to live his life, and yep. the Evil Dead's like, we're back. Just to, just to mess with <laughs> him. Just yeah. because. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do have to say, maybe Bruce left the character because he doesn't want to get beat up anymore. Yeah, maybe he's tired of that. Maybe yeah. he's tired of getting beat up. That's a good he's point. He's like, you know what? I'm a little he's old like, you for know, this now. Yeah. <laughs> getting up there. You know, it might be time to not yeah. hurt myself more. <laughs> I'm sick of it. <laughs> the next film, called Evil Dead Rise, is set to release sometime this year. The film has been confirmed to build upon the original trilogy and not the reboot movie that came out in 2013. True to what Bruce Campbell said before, he will not be returning as Ash, but he and Sam Raimi will be executive producers with Robert Tappert as producer and Lee Cronin as the writer. The action will take place in an urban area focusing on two sisters. New Line Cinema and HBO Max are set to distribute... Wow. Which is pretty neat. Interesting. Yeah. That's really interesting. And the 2013 remake, from everything that I've heard and read and seen, mm-hmm. is another kind of straightforward horror movie, mm-hmm. just a remake of the original. And a lot of people really like it. People were mm-hmm. very happy with it. I think when they asked Bruce Campbell what he thought, he was like, I'm not going to compare the movies because they're so different. Yeah. Yeah. So here are some fun facts about the Evil Dead 2. Yay. Evil Dead 2. <laughs> Evil Dead 2 opens with a title card for a fictional company called Rosebud. Apparently, the financer for the film, Dino De Laurentiis, could not release an X-rated film. Mm. So an animator created a stop-motion title card of a rose in front of a cloud backdrop for Rosebud as an almost alias for the real financial backers of the movie. Oh, they were contractually obligated to really (laughs) to give them a a rated R movie and they did their best. Yeah. 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 They used a lot. They they used a lot of blood, but a lot of the blood was black, Mm -hmm. yellow, green and green. I think Mm -hmm. at one point. Yeah. It was all these different colors and they did it that because it was. (laughs) Which, whenever it changed, always got a chuckle out of me. Yeah. It's like, oh, now it's green. <laughs> yeah. And they did it that way to, you know, oh, see, everybody, it's okay. Yeah. It's fine, you know, because blood makes people squeamish. Yeah. They, and that didn't, that didn't matter. They, you know. If they had used a different color for when the guy got pulled downstairs, maybe I'd have been like, yeah, know, cool. I see what you're saying, yes. But that one being red, even though it was very obviously uh, like red yeah. water, mm-hmm. I was like, mm-hmm, that one's... Yeah, I agree with you. I think that was probably one of the bigger, one of the bigger parts of the movie where they were like, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of went a little too long, if you ask me. Yeah, just a little <laughs> too much blood and, you know, later on seeing a skeleton down there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. According to Greg Nicotero, Sam drew his own storyboards for the film. When Greg went on further to explain the storyboards, he showed a recreation, which was a basic stick drawing. <laughs> we will include a screenshot of the reenacted storyboard on our blog. It's very funny. It is yeah. hilarious. And the other one, <laughs> the other guys even joked. They were like, you did even better than Sam did all the yeah. time. <laughs> Imagine like your, you know, your child who only just learned how to draw. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. like just starting to make... <laughs> shapes and not just scribbles i mean that's what it is it's what it looks like yeah (laughs) i i love this attitude and the camaraderie you know like these are just a bunch of guys that are really close with each other Mm -hmm. and they made a movie and did that whole time the whole time they just (laughs) messed with each other in 1982 stephen king wrote a review of the evil dead it was an entire article in the twilight zone magazine In it, he called the film the most ferociously original horror film of 1982. This contributed a great deal in helping to make Evil Dead 2, as Stephen King often supports smaller artists with great ideas. 
All right. Aww. That's something Stephen we can all King. get behind. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, there's kind of a debate about when the movie came out because, you know, when a movie doesn't have a typical rating, like rated R, a lot of theaters don't show it. Yeah. And when it releases, going to be, you know, different levels all of different. release and, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, that kind of thing. So it was a big deal to have a lot of support from somebody like Stephen King mm-hmm. and be like, go see this movie. You should yeah. see this. This is really good. We will link to a website that has pictures of the article so you guys can read it yourself if you want. Yeah. You can also see Freddy's claw hand making a cameo appearance above the door in the tool shed. Hey. Pretty cool. A little honor to Wes Craven. And it's a callback to the first film being a New Line Cinema property. That's right. Yeah. The first film being owned by New Line Cinema, and that's why they couldn't even make a sequel to their own movie. (laughs) And... You know, it makes sense because Freddy Krueger's hand is obviously not just a weapon of horror and murder. It's a yeah. it's a gardening tool. That's why <laughs> yeah. they keep it in the shed. Exactly. <laughs> it makes sense. It helps I've, you cut up the brush. Yeah, in exactly. The yeah. Edward yeah. Scissorhands showed us how it was yeah. like. He had like the newer version That's of right. it, you know. It's yeah. just an old and rusty a, version. Yeah, and it's a callback to our last episode, you know. The <laughs> yes, exactly. And also because, you know, Sam Raimi was heavily influenced by Wes Craven and yeah. Last House on the Left. It was mm-hmm. that was one of the movies that got him into into horror. Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell were childhood friends, and the tape recorder used in the movie belonged to Campbell's father. Back when Raimi was making Super 8 films with his friends, they would record sound effects on the tape recorder for the films. The same recorder was used in both The Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2. I thought this was the sweetest little detail. They These guys were all friends, and (laughs) the only reason that Bruce Campbell became the actor of the group, they said, Mm -hmm. was because the ladies liked to look at him. So they said, (laughs) he's the one that's going (laughs) to be an actor. I mean... (laughs) I'm not going to deny it. Yeah, he... Uh, very good looking man he's a classically handsome man he has has quite the defined jaw he sure does and he's got beautiful dark hair yeah Mm -hmm. and yeah no he's a good looking guy for sure so i mean i i i get get it it. maybe we should make a movie together guys i think we should you know we should that'd be pretty fun the only thing holding us back Mm -hmm. is money (laughs) (laughs) i i have small green screens now we have mm, that's true we have we have ideas. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, we, we don't have anything else. I mean, <laughs> we got some equipment, but uh, <laughs> we'll if anybody wants to, fund, anyone yeah. wants to fund a movie made by us, let us know. It's probably safe to say that there is no other movie like Evil Dead 2. Got that right. <laughs> yeah. This project, like the entire franchise, was a labor of love from start to finish. Not only is it an imaginative gore fest with lots of comedic relief, it's also a testament to the friendship between its creators and the vision they had as a team. Evil Dead 2 is a sequel and a remake. It's a horror film and a dark comedy. This wild ride is one of the most entertaining and fascinating films we've ever seen. In summation, it's pretty fucking groovy, to say the least. (laughs) (laughs) explicit check mark (laughs) when i first saw this and he puts (laughs) the chainsaw on yeah he goes through the whole thing where he makes puts the chainsaw on his arm Mm -hmm. and then it zooms in on his face and he says groovy i cried we had to pause the movie yeah because i was watching it with you i was laughing so hard she's like oh my god i would never never i had no idea what he was gonna say but i would never have picked groovy like no you'd think it would be something like like let's go yeah like bring it on yeah something like that yeah groovy groovy Oh my gosh! And just you know the sawing off of the shotgun and mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> yeah. He it, it gets to the point where he becomes kind of goofily badass. Yeah, yeah. You know where it's like 
ridiculous. Like he's got the chainsaw hand, <laughs> and you know he's holding a double barrel shotgun with his other hand. It's just like it's over the top for sure. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, it's like yeah. damn, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. It's pretty rad. He impresses me so much. Every time I watch this movie, I'm impressed more and more by his acting ability mm-hmm. <laughs> and just yeah. kind of the expressions on his face yeah. because a lot of the movie he's by himself mm-hmm. and he doesn't say a lot of things out loud. So you see him making decisions <laughs> and doing yeah. things and you're just right there with him. You know exactly what's going through mm-hmm. his head and you know the scene with the hand I think is fantastic. Amazing. When he's fighting against the hand and it, you know, smashing himself <laughs> in the head. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it's incredible it's incredible yeah. performance. Yeah. yeah. And I love his one-liner where they they defeat the creature from the basement, <laughs> and it's just the heads there like uh, I swallow your soul, I swallow your soul, and he's like swallow this, <laughs> and I'm like damn, yeah. it's like that's like straight out of like a cheesy action movie, yes. right? Where oh, it's yeah. like they're being yes. serious about it. It's it lands so perfectly because he like yeah. you said he doesn't talk a whole lot. Oh, it's good. So what did you think of the movie? Where how would you rate it on the Adam Scarrow meter? On my scare meter, let's see. I I did enjoy this movie. Um it's not like I I don't know if it would make my top 10 mm-hmm. or anything like that because there were some parts that I was like, I don't want to look at this anymore. <laughs> yeah. Like for example, the, the scene where everything in the house starts laughing at him. Mm. It's something yes. I don't know if we mentioned. Yeah. Where it's very it, it is very funny, but the the mounted deer head on the wall was like personally <laughs> triggering for me. A little too much. Because yeah. I have some history with mounted animals, but well, <laughs> that's a story for another day. But it freaked me out a little bit. So there are some of those bits in there, yeah. mm-hmm. but not enough to really turn me off, right? Like I said, yeah. the 80s things, they were not fun to look at, but they were right. goofy enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe the one thing that I thought was actually a little bit like beyond the goofiness, and I was like, ugh, was the, like the final big red face that comes in the door. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But, you know, again, it was still over the top enough, right? Right, yeah. Yeah. So I don't think it would land very high on the scare meter, but it's got enough in there. You know, something, if 10 is an absolute horrific, I have nightmares for years kind of movie, I would probably put it like three or four. Oh, okay. 3.5. Because nice. yeah. it's got some scary things in there. Yeah. Even the beginning, the very beginning of it is kind of scary because mm-hmm. it doesn't go into the absurdity immediately, immediately. No, like, yeah. they're, you know. Right. The, her... Uh, his girlfriend being possessed and him having to cut her head off and those things it's like that's not funny yet <laughs> really yeah. Yeah. so there's so it it's got some of the scares but not enough to really get very high up there yeah. so i think non horror fans can get through this one yeah so i actually i totally understand you know the movie is not str- a straight up comedy mm-hmm. so that's something that people need to remember <laughs> yeah. yeah it is very comedic but it's not you're not just like, laughing the whole time. It's not. Yeah. It's not a parody. It's not a sitcom. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. so. Uh, yeah. I mean, any any final thoughts? Or? Oh man, this is a wild. It was a wild ride. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, amazing, and I love it. I yeah. We're gonna link. I need to own it. Yes. <laughs> we're gonna link to the uh, audio commentary from the laser disc. Yes. Uh, oh, wow. Edition of the movie. We're gonna mm-hmm. link to that so that you guys can listen to it because I recommend it. If you're a fan of this movie. Yeah. Because it is really fun to hear them all together. You know, they're very clearly friends. They, you know, they (laughs) are very comical and Mm -hmm. it's a really nice atmosphere. Them just kind of ribbing and I I really enjoy that. And so I recommend that. Yeah. And the more you learn about this movie, we we didn't talk. We didn't nearly. No, not There's so much more we could have talked about and. Yeah, there's a making of. It's about half yeah. an hour long. We recommend that yeah. too. Um, yeah, don't get all your stuff from us. Yeah. We're we're gonna forget things, you know. But <laughs> we can't fit it all into an hour. <laughs> no, we cannot. Yeah, uh, apparently Greg Nicotero actually has six hours worth of stuff that he shot. Holy cow! Uh, during filming, right. and I would love to see all. I that. I would watch all of it, but I don't believe that's available. I was <laughs> like, yeah. I would not. I don't know if I could I mean, get through six hours. But it's, <laughs> no, it's like them goofing around it's like him, and them then, like chilling. Yeah, got it, got and it. and like making fun while they're making the movies. So. What they need to do is someone he needs someone needs to get a hold of that yes. and then make that 
you know, the disaster artist type movie. Yes. Based off of that footage. That's what they need to do. (laughs) Just saying. (laughs) Anyway. This is another season of the Black Case Diaries closed. Yeah! We did it. They were all at the same time. Perfect. There we go. But before we go, uh, we'd like to thank our patrons for another season. Joel, John, Jacob, Jacqueline, JD, Anthony, Shelly, Linda, Bob, Carlos, and Jaren. Thank you so oh, much. We really appreciate it. Seriously, guys, you. thank you so much. And we will be back for yes, season we, seven. We will. Just a quick, a quick little update. If you're still listening to this episode, thank you very yes, much, thank by you. the way. We will be changing our release day. We will be starting to release on Mondays instead That's of Thursday. Right. Yeah. After over three years of podcasting. I so know. that might be a big change, but you know, we're thinking that might be better for us as a show. Yep. And we're just gonna go ahead and make that shift. And also, we are taking a one-month hiatus. That's right. Yeah. So, when after the release of this episode, we may release one bonus episode. Yeah. To close out the month, but this is the last episode of the season. This is the last case. Yeah. 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 And we will be taking the month of March off. You won't be hearing much from us. Nope. You'll still see us online. We'll still be on Twitter. We'll still be around if you want to talk to us. Yep. And we'll still be posting on Patreon regularly. But yes. on in April, we'll be back. On the fourth is the first day we'll be back. The fourth of April. Ooh. So keep your eye out for that one. I peel. <laughs> yeah. Peel your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Don't sleep. Gotta stick with that horror. That's right. But thank you to all of you that support us, whether it be through listening, telling a friend, or donating. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you. And you can find all of our past episodes on our website, blackcasediaries.com. You can find our Patreon there. You can Mm -hmm. find our Instagram, all the socials, whatever you want. Go check it out. Thank you so much, everybody. Thank you. Bye. See you next time. See you in April. (laughs) Animation April. Oh, spoilers.